Welcome to Whitechapel Church Online. You're currently listening to preaching from our Sunday services. We believe that when the preaching happens, that collectively we're hearing the Word of God, and that God's Word has the power to change who we are. We also believe that God can meet you right where you're at, and that He has a Word specifically for you. We hope that you enjoy today's sermon, and we would love to have you at an in-person service. Head over to whitechapelchurch.com to get more info. Enjoy the sermon, and be blessed. Well, welcome to Whitechapel Church. I'm so glad uh, that you are here this morning. I am thankful that uh, we are all a part of this uh, special family weekend and just want to ask you to think back to your childhood for just a minute. Uh, I don't know what your childhood was like, but um, I was what can only be described as a tinkerer when I was a kid. I liked to tinker with everything. Um, I like to have my hands in so many different things. I remember uh, when I was uh, probably eight-ish, nine-ish, ten, right in there somewhere, um, Santa brought me a little, a small keyboard, an electric keyboard uh, for Christmas, and on Christmas night, I had already taken all the little screws out of the back of it and had it laid out in my bedroom, and my mom walked in in a panic because what Santa had brought me, right, was now in pieces in, in my, and it was a nice present. I put it all back together and it worked. I did have a couple of extra parts. Now looking back, I should have gone to that company and said, I could have saved you thousands of dollars by not utilizing these parts. But if you think about, and I think this is true for all of us, not just for me, but I think for every single one of us, in some way, shape, or form throughout our life, boy or girl, either one, it doesn't matter, We've been tinkerers or we've been builders throughout our life. It's another, maybe a little more um, kosher way of saying it, if you will. And so I was thinking about this day, and I was thinking about some of the toys that... Now, I didn't have all of these toys, but I remember some of these toys. I want to put them up on the screen. You ever had a wooden train set? Um, now, I didn't have these, but my best friend's sons did have these when I was about 19, 20, 21 years old. And I loved to help them build the little Thomas the Tank train set um, that they actually put together. I do remember these. You remember these uh, wooden blocks? I think almost all of us had these wooden blocks that we actually built with. I never built anything this elaborate, um, but I did uh, try to build some things like this. And then uh, you'll remember Lincoln Logs. Does everybody remember Lincoln Logs? I was so disappointed a few, a few, uh, a few years ago. I was in the store, and Lincoln Logs are now plastic. Oh, I was so disappointed. They're supposed to be wood because I had wooden Lincoln Logs when I was growing up, and now they're, they're plastic. And then, of course, um, we all remember Legos. And, and parents remember Legos because in the middle of the night, they meet your feet, right? When you're trying to walk through the house quietly, and then you find the Lego that was actually hidden in the carpet. Um, I loved it when Abby, who was a builder as well, Abby loved Legos. And so I got to go with her to buy Legos and then actually keep tinkering, uh, you know, as a dad, because I wanted to just help Abby out, right? Um, but anyway, I think all of us are actually builders in our life. 
We're actually going to look at Colossians, the book of Colossians this morning. And so I want to ask you to turn over to the book of Colossians. It's, it's uh, towards um, about two-thirds into the New Testament in your Bible. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians is the way that I, all, I always remember it. Now, we've been studying the book of Acts here at Whitechapel. And we're going to take a break from the book of Acts for just a little bit. Because I want to give you a little bit of a background on why we're actually getting here. But I want to think about what it's like to build. Because at the core of every single one of us is this desire to build. And whether we recognize it or not, every one of us are builders. And one of the things that we actually are doing is building a life. And some of us, when we became parents, we begin to think or to intentionally consider the life that we're building. And we know that a lot of people or several people actually live their life and they don't actually think about the life that they're actually building. They hope that being good, working hard, earning money is going to be sufficient and allow them to build the life that we've all actually dreamed of. Now, we have so many privileges and freedoms here in the United States that sometimes we take for granted. And it's this idea that we really can build a life, imagine it, invest in it, build it, and then achieve some measure of success. And I don't want to talk about building that life this morning. I want to talk about building a spiritual life, the soul that is inside of every one of us. A lot of us put a lot of time, a lot of effort, a lot of money and resources into building a physical life having a car, having a family, having a home, having toys, whatever those are that are different for every single one of us, having a career, making money, setting aside money so that we can have some type of retirement. All of us focus on that a lot, or some of us, majority of us focus on that a lot. You can go to any library, you can go online, and there are countless tools that talk about building that physical life. There's not so many tools when it comes to building a spiritual life. There's not as much time and effort and thought, energy and resources that go into building a spiritual life or building the soul that is inside of us. And one of the ploys of the enemy is that he wants us to believe that simply attending a church or being a part of a church, being involved in some activities, doing a few things here and there, is what is going to build our soul inside of us. But that's simply not the case. It takes time. It takes effort to build the soul that we have. It takes thought. It takes resources. It is hard work to build the soul that is inside of us. And here in the book of Colossians, Paul has ran across somebody uh, when he's in this town of Ephesus. We've been studying the book of Acts. And the past two weeks, we looked at Acts chapter 19. In Acts chapter 19, Paul meets a guy who's actually in Ephesus, from, but he's actually from the town in the scripture that we are going to read about. Epaphras is this guy's name. 
And Paul encounters him, and Paul says, I want you, my, my words here, I want you to go back to your, home ta- your hometown, and I want you to invest in the people there so that they can build a strong soul, so that they can build a life that is built upon the foundation of Jesus Christ. And so Paul actually writes this letter. He sends it to those in the church And in this letter that we're going to take a few weeks and look at this, that's an offshoot of Paul's ministry from the book of Acts that he later writes from prison because he got arrested for sharing the gospel and opposing the religious people who were not letting people or not telling people how to build a true spiritual soul based on the foundations of Jesus Christ, but based upon their own works. We're going to take a look at this book because I think that every one of us Deep inside of us are builders. And we've got to spend some time building, not our life, not our family, not our resources, not our career, not those types of things. But we've got to take some weeks to focus on building our own soul. Now I want to tell you something that is vital to understand. The enemy wants your soul. He wants your soul. And he is crafty. He's wise. He's not wiser than God, though. He'll do everything he can to take you out and win your soul. And that's why you've got to pour into building your own soul. Now, there are a lot of different resources that are out there that will tell you how to build yourself up. We call them self-help resources. You can go into a library, you can go into a bookstore, and there are self-help sections. And people have made billions and billions of dollars off of self-help resources. Some of those self-help resources would say, do what you love and the money will follow. There's two focuses there, the things that you love, and then the money is always attached to the things that you love. Some self-help advice. Winning is everything, or as stated by UCLA, a former UCLA football coach, Henry Sanders, winning isn't everything, it's the only thing. You know, sometimes in life you're just not winning, it seems like, right? But even when it feels like you're not winning, we're going to find here in the book of Colossians that Jesus is actually winning for you on your behalf. We'll we'll talk about that. Another self-help advice uh, tool that you can find out there, you've probably seen this on bumper stickers. Whoever has the most toys wins. Live for yourself and nothing else. Visualize whatever you want. And it's going to happen. Every one of these resources or tools that I found from resources that I've just shared with you focus on one thing, and that's all about self. Listen, when you're building your own soul, when you're building on the foundation of Jesus Christ, you're not focused on self. Instead, you're focused on him and what he actually desires for you. And this is a little bit of how Paul begins this uh, letter. Colossians chapter 1, we're going to start reading in verse number 3. 
And we'll read down to verse 14. If you would, follow along in your Bible, on your Bible app, or you can write it down if you don't have those with you. And you can read this later because it's a good, solid foundation as we think about building our soul. Colossians 1, chapter 3. We always thank God the Father for our Lord Jesus Christ when we pray for you. Because we've heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love you have for all the saints. The faith and love that spring from the hope that is stored up for you in heaven and that you have already heard about in the word of truth, the gospel that has come to you. All over the world now, this gospel is bearing fruit and growing, just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard it and understood God's grace in all of its truth. You learned, you learned it from Euphaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is a faithful minister of Christ on our behalf and who also told us of your love in the Spirit. For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we've not stopped praying for you and asking God to fill you with all knowledge of his will through all spiritual wisdom and understanding. And we pray this in order that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and may please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might so that you may have a great endurance and patience and joyfully giving thanks to the Father who's qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in the kingdom of light. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves in whom we have redemption and the forgiveness of sin." So I want to pause there for just a second. We'll hold right there. And I want you to think about all that we just read for just a minute. There was a lot there. There were so many different amazing spiritual nuggets that our soul actually needs just packed into those uh, few verses there. But I want us to think about building a strong spiritual life or building our souls, if you will, for just a few minutes. Spiritual growth is what, what you actually could call it. We've talked about physical growth. We've talked about some self-help things. But we're going to talk about spiritual growth. And so as we begin, I want to give you the definition of spiritual growth that we are actually going to work with. And then we're going to digest it and take a look at this passage of Scripture. Spiritual growth simply means growing to know how God wants us to live so that we seek to please him in all things. Now, I've highlighted this, uh, this simple definition into two different ways because there's an expectation and then there is an outcome in that. There's some action and that, that we're going to invest in our life in and then there is a byproduct of that action. And so what we are going to talk about and what every one of us need is our foundation on Jesus Christ is we're going to grow so that we know how God wants us to live. And then as we do that, the byproduct is we're going to seek to please him in every area of our life or in all things of our life. This is what Paul was actually talking about here. We are going to invest our time. We're going to invest our resources so that we are growing up so that we actually know how God wants us to live. So that we come to God and we say, hey, God, I have this situation going on in my life, whatever that may be. And then we go to God and we say, hey, God, I need to know right now, how do you want me to live in this moment? 
We just saw our, our, um, our teaching staff, our faculty, our admins, and there's so many others that are part of this campus, but they stood up and we recognize them. And the charge that we've given them is sit with the Lord. Ask God when you're having difficult moments in the classroom. How do you lead through this moment? That's not only true in the classroom, but it's true in every, every area of our lives as well. For every single one of us, whenever we're having problems in our marriage, we need to ask God, God, how do you want me to live in this moment with this difficulty in my marriage? When we're having problems in our finances, don't you know the scripture tells us that God owns everything and he spoke it into existence and so he can pour an abundance on us and so when we're having financial issues, we need to go to God and say, God, I'm having this problem. It's no surprise to you. So how do you want me to live in this moment right here in the right now with these problems with my finances? When we're having problems in relationships, be it a marriage, be it a family member, be it children, be it a neighbor, be it a boss or whatever it is, what we have to do is go back to God and say, hey, God, how do you want me to live in this moment? Because for so long, self-help has said, focus on me, focus on self, focus on what I want, and that is actually contrary to the Scripture. What we have to do is not focus on self, but instead we have to focus on Jesus Christ. And as we focus on Jesus Christ, what we will discover is as he guides us, that really is the best for ourselves. We think that we know ourselves so well that we know what we want best, but that's not the truth. He knows what we need, and he knows what is best for us because we are confined to this moment and the past. The beautiful thing about God is that he is not constrained by time. He is the past. He is the present. But he is also the future. And we cannot predict the future. And we do not know what tomorrow holds. But he does. And if we're asking him as we have difficulties, God, how do you want me to live in this moment? Then the answers that he provides is best for us now, but it is also best for us throughout all of the future because he's not constrained to this moment that we are actually living in. And so what we have to do is we have to be a people that is committed to growing to know how God wants us to live. But then there is an outcome to that. It wasn't just God tell us how we need to live so that we can be obedient people. But the outcome to that is so that we seek to please him in every area of our life. That is crucifying ourselves, setting ourselves aside, putting ourselves, if you will, on the back burner so that we're pleasing him in every area of our life. But I want to point out some key things that Paul has told us about here as he began this letter to our Colossian brothers and sisters. He used the word all or every so many different times in this. And so if you'll look right fast at just a couple of verses here, specifically verse 9, verse 10, and verse 11. Paul says, For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we've not stopped praying for you and asking God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Paul is onto something here because he's experienced it in his life. 
He knows that these believers actually need some spiritual wisdom and understanding in their life. And what Paul is saying as he begins these three verses here that we're going to look at this morning, he says, God will give you if you ask him and if you seek it and if you put in the time and the resources to building a strong spiritual soul, God will give you spiritual wisdom and understanding. And you know, that's something that every single one of us actually need. We're not going to turn to self first. We're not going to seek to fill our own needs first. Instead, we're going to ask God to give us all spiritual wisdom and understanding. What a gift that God has given to us that Paul has latched onto here. He's, we all would say there are times in our lives that we don't know what the answer is. We don't know what wisdom that we have to have or what understanding that we have to have. And we're wrestling and we're trying to figure these things out. And we're going round and round. It keeps us up at night. It wakes us up early in the morning. And we don't have the answers. But listen, we don't have to have the answers. We only need to go to the one who does have the answers. And what Paul is saying is here, what Paul is saying here in verse 9 is we all need this spiritual wisdom and understanding. And God will give all of it to you. He's not going to hold some back. He's going to give all of it to you if you will do the things necessary to build your own soul and focus on exactly how he wants you to live. The only way that you get there is if you ask him to give you all spiritual wisdom and understanding that is necessary in difficult moments. And then in verse 10, look what he says in verse 10, because he uses the word all here again. He says to please him in all respects, in every area, in every decision, Paul says, he, I want to please him. And the purpose of all spiritual wisdom and understanding is to actually please him, which then is where we derive this definition of what it means to have spiritual growth. Growing to know how God wants us to live so that the result, the outcome, so that we seek to please him in all things. Colossians 1.10, so that we please him in all respects of our life. But it doesn't stop there. At the end of verse 10, Paul says, so that we bear fruit in every good work. In every good work. As we're building our life, one of the things that I think every one of us want to do is to have good fruit. We think of that when we're parents or grandparents or when we get, when we get married. Or some of us think of that when it's working in our job. When we're spending time in our, we, we want to have good fruit come out of our life. And Paul has given us this recipe here in this letter that wasn't just for people almost 2,000 years ago, but it applies and is an excellent equation that we pull from the scripture and insert into our lives so that we get good fruit in our lives. But then look at verse 11. In verse 11, Paul says that we're strengthened with all power. Now, I like the way that Paul put these words together here. Strengthened with all power. So yesterday, some of you were at our block party, and it was hot yesterday at our block party. 
We're not going to do an August block party anymore. It's too hot. <laughs> All those people that stood up, they were the ones that were clapping right there. <laughs> um, it was hot. It was hot yesterday. It's been hot. We've had, um, I think, in, um, as I was looking in like July and August, we've had like nine or ten record high heat days. And one of the things that experts say, of which I'm not the expert of, if you're outside and you're hot, you've been sweating, your body needs to be replenished inside. And in order for your body to actually have power so that it can function properly, one of the worst things that you can do is to pick up a soft drink, a soda, or if you're from up north, a pop, or whatever it is you call it, and actually when you're hot and sweaty and exhausted and your body is craving and thirst and needing power, you should not go pick up a soft drink, a soda, and then down the soft drink because that's not what your body needs in that moment. Now, there's something in the soft drink that sends a little signal to your brain and your brain thinks, oh, that is good. That's a great tasting drink. I need actually more of that. If you keep drinking a soft drink, then what is going to happen eventually in that moment could lead to some type of dehydration or your body actually freezing up in certain ways. I'm not a scientist. I don't know about all of this. I just know what I've, what I've seen and a little bit of what I've read. Instead, whenever it's hot, you're sweaty, and your body needs replenished, what you should do is drink water or some type of a Gatorade or something like that that has the stuff in it to replenish your body so that your body stays hydrated so that it actually has power to function. That's not only true in our physical bodies, but it is also true in our spiritual bodies. And what happens in our spiritual bodies, the enemy puts some type of bait out there that says, here, take this, because this is what your body's craving. And if you put this, whatever that is, it's a lot of it's different for every single one of us of the temptations that we actually have. But if you'll take that bait and put it in your spiritual body, then you are going to be able to function and your, your spiritual soul is actually going to grow and you're going to have an amazing life. But it plays in the spiritual the same way it plays in the physical. Instead, what we have to do is to get into the Word of God so that we can live out what Paul has said here in Colossians 1.11 so that we can be strengthened with all power. And that power does not come from taking the bait from the enemy. Instead, that power comes from being with Jesus, finding out what he wants us to do so that we can then be his people right here and right now, building our own soul. But Paul didn't stop there in verse 11, saying that you can be strengthened with all power because right after that, he says, for the attaining of all steadfastness and patience. So where do these things come from that we just read here in verse 9, 10, and 11? What we're going to see all throughout this book is these things only come in relationship with Jesus. 
It doesn't come from any other area of our life. It only comes when we are Jesus people who are then filled with the Holy Spirit so that we then become people who are committed to understanding what God desires for us and then applying that and living it out in every single area of our life. But instead, the default sinful nature inside a lot of us or to keep, chase, keep chasing everything except Jesus. Oh, life is hard right now. I've got this in my life, and so God understands I'm going to take a break for a little while, and I'm going to do X, Y, and Z, and then I may come back to Jesus. God understands the heart of the difficult in my life. That's a lie from the enemy. And it's caused us to turn away from God so that the spiritual growth that he desires inside of us has been stunted or severed, and it is not allowing us to be who God wants us to be. We can't keep chasing everything except Jesus. And my prayer for you today is that as we've spent this time together, the Holy Spirit would stir inside of you a desire to chase Jesus and Jesus alone. So how do we do that? I'm quickly, quickly going to go through seven things that as I've just been thinking about this passage of Scripture, that I've just jotted down some things that I have seen in my life and in the life of other people are principles that apply, that come direct from the Word of God. I talk about some of these a lot. You will certainly say that none of these are surprises but I think that these are seven things that if we will live these things out, then what we will discover is what we're building in life not only matters, but it has lasting and eternal consequences. And the first is you've got to be committed to reading and med meditating on, on the Bible, on God's Word. You've got to start there. Because I hear people say all the time, well, God doesn't speak to me. God doesn't speak to me. And I say to you, he has, and it's recorded right here. It's right here. And if you want God to speak to you, then you've got to open his word, and you've got to read it, and you've got to meditate it, meditate on it. God wants to speak to you. He wants to have a relationship with you. He wants you to have a strong soul. He wants you, he wants you to succeed in every area of your life. And the only way that you will is if you get right here in his word and read on it and meditate it. That's why at Warner Christian Academy, we are committed to having a curriculum that presents every subject, regardless of what it is, with a biblical worldview. Because if you build your life on anything other than a relationship with God and his word, then you're building a house of cards at some point that is going to crumble. Now, we may be able to fool each other for a period of time. We may be able to fool each other for a year, a few years, a decade, or a couple of decades. But at some point, if you're not building your soul, you're not building your life on a relationship with God and his word, then your, uh, the life that you're building at some point is going to crumble. And I pray that none of us ever get there. But listen, if you have been there in your life, then there is hope because there's mercy and grace in Jesus Christ. And you can pick up the pieces and come to him, and he will not 
only help you build, but he will tell you how to put it back, to be, how to put it back together stronger than it was in the past. This is the God that we serve. This is the God that loves us. But it starts when we read and meditate on the Word of God. The second thing I think we have to do is you not only have to read and meditate on the Word of God, you've got to study it. You've got to study it. You know what, uh, um, you know what the folks at NASA are doing right now? They're spending billions and billions of dollars, and this is not a bad thing. They're spending billions and billions of dollars, and they're studying on a way that we can actually get to Mars. But you know what they didn't do? They didn't just get some folks in a room and say, hey, next week, we want to take a trip to Mars. And so I want you guys to figure it out, and we're only going to have a week. We're going to do everything we can to try to actually get to Mars, but we're only going to do it in a week. No, instead what they did, they are studying they are dissecting their plans. They are testing theories. They are putting more things together and seeing if those things work. That's the way that we have to do in order to build a strong soul in our life. We've got to study the Word of God. Because just as going to Mars doesn't happen by accident, building a strong life built on Jesus Christ and His Word also doesn't happen by accident. It starts when you read, meditate, and study the Word of God. The next thing that you have to do is talk to God. Talk to God. You could also say pray. But sometimes when you use the word pray, so many of us have a crazy concept of what prayer actually is. All prayer is is talking to God. I talk to God when I'm driving down the road. I know that people think I'm crazy. But I pray that they think I'm just singing along to the radio. You can talk to God when you're laying in bed. You can talk to God when you're on the lawnmower. You can talk to God when you're sitting in, uh, sitting in your office or sitting in a classroom. I remember one of, the, one of the, the times I was in first grade, and this is my earliest memory of putting God to the test in prayer. I did not study for a spelling test. First grade. And I was scared to death. I wanted my teacher to be, be so happy with me that I got a scratch and sniff sticker on my spelling test. And the only way that you got the scratch and sniff sticker is if you made 100 on your spelling test. And so before the test, we couldn't pray. I, I went to a public school. You couldn't pray in school. The teacher didn't lead us in school uh, or didn't lead us in prayer. But I stopped after she passed out the piece of paper and I prayed. And I asked God to help me do everything I could within his power and my abilities to pass that spelling test. It's the earliest remembrance that I have of asking for something in prayer and then God delivering it. And I'll never forget, I got a chocolate scratch and stiff snicker, sticker on my spelling test paper. Do you know what God was doing with me when I was six years, seven years old at that point? He was showing me that prayer works. Prayer works. You just got to do it. And then walk away without a selfish expectation. Now, certainly at that point, it was a selfish expectation in my life because I wanted something out of that. But I think as I thought about that over and over and over in my life, God was showing me prayer works. And if you'll just talk to God what you'll discover is God will talk back in amazing ways, in amazing ways. The scripture is full of instances 
of people were talking, who were talking to God, and God started talking back. It's been through creation. It's been through other people. It's been through what some people would describe as a still, small voice. God spoke through animals. He spoke through countless ways. If you'll talk to God, what you'll discover is he'll talk back and then direct you in ways that will build a strong, strong soul in your life. The other thing that you have to be committed to is you have to commit yourself to being with people that help you build a godly life. Now, remember, I started by saying the enemy wants to destroy every single one of us. And one of the ways that he does that is not just through temptation, but by placing other people in our lives that will lead us astray. There will be people that the enemy wants to use in your life that will enter your life, and they will say, you don't have to read the Bible. You don't have to have a relationship with God. You don't have to pray. You don't have to do all of that stuff. And those are the very people that you have to get out of your life because they are not in your life pushing you to grow a strong soul. I think every one of us need to give an account to ourselves, certainly to God, for the people that are in our lives that have influence over us in some way, shape, or form. And then ask ourselves the question, are they helping me be the person that God desires for me to be? Or are they leading me astray deeper into sin? And if they're leading you deeper into sin, then you've got to have a conversation with God on what that relationship needs to look like in the future. Every one of us, in order to build the life that we desire deep inside our soul, have to be committed to being with people that help you build a godly life. The next thing is, I, I talk about this a lot, but I want to encourage you to start a journal. Write things down. I am a very forgetful person. And I have been committed the last several years of my life to writing down so many different things that I have in conversations with God or things the way that I've seen God work. Write those things down because in dark days when it seems like God isn't working or when it seems like God isn't talking, going back to those things are such an encouragement because you can see what God is doing. The other thing that I think is important to write things down in your life, because if God has said something clearly to you, if you don't write it down, I promise you, I promise you, you're going to forget it. Or you might forget a part of it. Or you might not remember it exactly the way that God has led you to believe that he's actually spoken to you. And so if you write it down, then at some point as you come back to that, you can say, oh, that's exactly, that's exactly why God said that, because I needed it in this moment. Journal, start a journal, write things down, write down your prayers, write down what God is doing in your life. The next, practice forgiveness. Practice forgiveness. Jesus talked a lot about forgiveness. The people around Jesus were concerned about forgiveness. And at one point they came to Jesus and they said, how many times do we have to forgive someone? Jesus's answer in, in my translation is a countless number of times. You don't count it. You just keep forgetting. You just keep forgiving. You just keep forgiving people. Now, if you forgive them over and over and over and over and over again, you come back to number four and you ask yourself, is this somebody that's helping me build a godly life? And if they're not, you, move, you forgive them and you move past them. But you always practice forgiveness in every area of your life. 
Because what happens if you don't forgive, then you're carrying a burden that somebody else has actually put on you. And then what happens if you have enough of those burdens that other people have put on top of you, then you get weighed down to the point to where you are, you are eventually spiritually immobilized and sometimes even physically immobilized. This is why Jesus talked about forgiveness. And then he modeled it for us on the cross. There's a passage of scripture that's so powerful that we have to remember in the same measure that you forgive, you will be forgiven. And this last one actually seems a little bit crazy. And I almost left this one out. But we're going to see what this actually looks like as we get into the book of Colossians. And I want to encourage you to apply it. It simply says, give it all away. Give it all away. Now, what do I mean by that? We can't be so greedy that we pull everything into our own kingdoms that we forget about those that are around us that are in need. In the book of Luke, verse 18, verse 22, Jesus heard some of the grumblings that was going on around them. And when he heard that, Jesus actually said these words. You still lack one thing. Sell everything you have, give it to the poor, and then you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. Now, do I think that we all have to walk out of here in just a couple of minutes, sell everything we have, give it all away, and then go follow Jesus? I don't think that's what Jesus was talking about. I think the point of what Jesus was saying here in Luke chapter 18 is be aware of those that are around you, and then as God has blessed you, bless other people. There's always people that are in need. There's always people that God has placed in our path that he's asking us to step out on faith and help those people. So I think that these are seven things that I want to ask you to apply in your life. And as we leave here this week, would you take these seven things? Would you wrestle with these seven things? Would you pray about these seven things? And would you ask God, what these seven things look like in your life so that we can focus on building a strong soul with the foundation of Jesus Christ, which will not ever be destroyed. So we're going to close our service in a different way this morning than we usually do here at Whitechapel. We're going to leave these up on the screen. If you want to write them down, you want to take a photo of them, I want to encourage you to do that. But instead of closing our service in here, we're going to move to our preschool and we're going to close our service in front of our preschool. But I want to give you a tiny bit of the backstory of where our preschool is at. Our preschool, and I'm, I'm, this isn't any stretch when I say this, our preschool was destroyed um, back in September in Hurricane Ian. Our, our preschool teachers in here um, were displaced until just about a month, a month and a half ago, and they made it work. They were amazing, and they worked countless hours. And what we wrestled with in this moment was trying to figure out what a preschool that was displaced actually looked like and having conversations with the insurance company. And I know there's so many people that are still dealing with the effects of the hurricane. But as we begin to pray and we begin to ask God, okay, what does it look like in the future? What is it that you want us to do as we build back our preschool? We begin to rethink a few things in our preschool. 
And so what you're going to walk through in just a second, and as you walk through our preschool, I want to ask you to pray. You'll see all of the rooms are locked. There are glass doors. You'll be able to see in the classrooms. But as you walk through there, I want to ask you to spend just a few moments praying. We're going to go out these doors in a couple of seconds down here and right here. We're going to make our way to the preschool. Our, um, our Warner Christian Academy drum line, our secondary drum line is going to play as we get down there. We're going to have a ribbon cutting. We're going to pray a prayer of dedication, say some scripture. But as you go through the preschool, would you pray for the little feet that walk through that building? Out behind the preschool, when it was originally built, in the, I think in the, the mid to late 70s, there was a gate at the back of the preschool, and the concrete is right there. And just before you walk through the gate, they wrote on the, on the concrete, um, through these gates walk many soul, will walk many souls. May they be one for the Lord. That's still our prayer. That's still our prayer through Whitechapel Church and Warner Christian Academy. That we help these kids, every single one of them, discover truth, which is Jesus Christ. And then as they discover truth, that they would have the tools to actually build a strong spiritual soul. So if you'll stand with me, I'll pray a prayer, and then I'll ask you to move quickly to our preschool, and then we'll head out the back doors of the preschool. That'll put you right at our elementary gym, our cafeteria, and our fellowship hall. So let me pray for us. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for this time that we've had together here this morning. I thank you that you have given us the tools to build a strong soul. Now, as we go from here today, would you continue leading us and guiding us, empowering us to be the people that you desire for us to be? Thank you for being with us today. Be with us as we spend this time together, and we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Blessings upon you as you make your way. Thanks for joining us at Whitechapel Church Online. We pray that today's sermon blessed you and that you'll continue to join us as we lean into God's Word together. Until next time, have a great week.